everyone. Derek Floyd here, Beautiful Now Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Chasing the Impossible. This is the segment where I interview successful people who seem to have accomplished impossible things along the way to reach their dreams. And to remind you that no matter what, no matter what you're doing, no matter how far your impossible dream may seem, if they can do it, you can do it too. But if you enjoy this type of content, do me a favor. Please pause right now. Pause and hit me with a like or subscribe to the channel. And hit that little bell right next to it. This lets me get the most updated content to you as soon as it's available. And more importantly, if you really enjoy the content, please share it with a friend. Because to us here at Beautiful Now, it's all about making sure everyone gets the opportunity to be uplifted, encouraged, and inspired. Now, my special guest today is someone who is at the top of his game right now. And if you listen to Christian pop radio anywhere, then you've heard this amazing artist or group for King and Country. These two gentlemen have come out of Australia and taken the world by storm with great records from Run, Lo- Run Wild, Live Free, Live Strong, and then this amazing brand new record that just came out, Burn the Ships. They have changed how Christian pop sounds, and they're just getting started. So he's going to tell a little bit of a story. We've got one half of that great band here today, and they are brothers. So you please help me welcome one half of Forking and Country, Joel Small. Joel, are you there for me today, buddy? I am here, Derek. I am in a Ford Explorer with a Great Dane in the back. <laughs> You're playing the uh, the momager today, no? Well, I think I'm a, in this case. I'm going to say dadager, but yes, I am a I am I am the official stage dad of a of Meriwether the Great Dane, who is going to be in a country music video today. This is this is fact. <laughs> It seems like your whole family's musical, even the dog. Even the dog. Well, I'm not sure she's <laughs> going to be singing, but I think she's, you know, she's 140 pounds. So it's impolite wow. to talk about her weight, but she is quite a sizable creature. <laughs> well, let's jump right in, man, since you're going to be taking care of your dog today. Hey, you and your brother have been singing together for how many years now? And was it always the pursuit of music? as your path did you see something different when you started out we have been in music together what we started sort of toying around music when he was late teens i was 21 so that's over a decade um and the short answer to the second half of your question of has music always been my thing the short answer is yes i mean going back we're originally from australia um and I remember when I, some of my first memories were looking at like vinyl 45 striper records. <laughs> you remember those? And yeah, they were striper. Come on, vinyl, man, thing. vinyl. <laughs> oh, bro. And I would just study these covers, Derek. Like these, just, it was magical to me. And I'd play the records on the speakers. Fast forward, we moved to a, the States. My oldest sister, Rebecca, becomes sort of a gospel artist. Uh, Rebecca and James and um, dad needed cheap labor and we became the road crew. So he, he put us all to work. As that always works, doesn't it? It always works. And so we became like the Partridge family or the, the, the Australian version of the Von Trapp family. We traveled together and that's really where I fell in love with music. So the impact of music, I was a stage manager as a, as a teenager. And, and uh, so homeschooled predominantly never went to college. And yeah, I, spent most of my life 
uh, involved in music in some facet and, and had a real heart to be an artist. Wow, wow. So your whole family was always engaging you toward music, and even though you were free labor for your sister, who was also an amazing artist. I remember her first song that I fell in love with was God. Uh, and my dad introduced me to her. I'm like, this, she's amazing. So for you guys to all be in the same family just blows my mind. But they engaged you all in music? They said you're all going to be artists? Or did you just take it? And, and, well, they didn't say we were all going to be artists because some of us can't sing as well. What they did say, Derek, <laughs> is, hey, why don't we all... Well, let me back up a bit. Mum came from a family of educators in Australia. So, you know, teachers and principals, all of her brothers. So education was very important. When we came over to the States, she was very frightened because she didn't want to put us in public school. She just didn't know much about the whole system and she was a bit concerned about it. And then we started traveling. And I mean, I was 11, 12, and there's seven of us kids. Wow. So... Seven. It's like the sound of yeah, music. You had seven oh, kids. Oh yeah, no, it is. It's the Von Trapp family, and, and so <laughs> you were the Von she, Trapp family she, singers. She kind of took it to God. Was like, hey, I'm really worried about my um, children not having a proper education. Gone, mm. and God said, don't. She kind of sensed the spirit say, hey, don't worry. I'll mm. teach them what they need to know. And what's been fast, wow. and she still homeschooled us. Did the best she could. And what's been fascinating is if you go through oldest to youngest rebecca's still an artist today daniel is the head of our creative design for live shows and that's what he did with rebecca ben did video with rebecca he's now a director a filmmaker luke and i did some background vocals and stuff now we're in the band josh did merchandise josh is now our general manager <laughs> you know our younger sister libby she helped me come up with the crest and she's she's got such grace and taste in music so she becomes sort of a music curator for us wow. and our mom is kind of the spiritual glue our dad manages us so it's literally it's a it's a it's a family affair not to mention my wife who's an artist and she speaks heavily into the whole for king country project so man it's a it's a thing wow a i thing. mean so so on the same, you've been doing this for a long time then so you've made this the family affair there's there's never been a moment where you thought I don't know how to do this. I want to do something else because it's always been what the family's done. Um, I love film, mm -hmm. and uh, I've, I've had the chance to be involved in a, in a, in a few f films. Um, but I, I, I don't think so. I've never questioned whether the arts and music would always have a place in my life, a, a very dear place professionally. I've questioned at points, you know, is this the best course with the family, <laughs> you know, but, but then I, then I come back to a full circle thing and, and, and I'm reminded under God that it's just beautiful. Like I, wow. I and I really, most days I wouldn't trade it, you know? Wow. Wow. And to think about the success your whole families have with Rachel starting off and now you guys have a couple of number one albums under your belt. Wow, congratulations. You run Wild, Live Free, which is my first one that I, I picked up from you guys. And then now Burn the Ships, which has been a huge record for you guys. Wow. When did you look mm. up and go, did we make it? Is this it? Did we hit the plateau or is there still another layer to go? What did you think? I don't know, Derek. I don't know if it. well, I don't know if it's very helpful <laughs> to get to the place of going, oh, I did the thing. Then on the other hand, I don't think it's very helpful to live 
a life of just striving and yeah. never slowing. And so I think I find myself somewhere in between of going, hey, music is moving faster than ever. And there's you could be yesterday's hero any day of the week. But I'm sort of OK. Mm -hmm. Like when that day comes and I sort of say, yeah, that was kind of the writings on the wall that I've done my bit in music. I think I'm going to be OK with it. Um, but. Mm -hmm. There's always another song to be written. There's always another performance to be had. And so you never quite, and, and another sort of echelon to, to strive towards. So mm. I don't think you ever f quite have the satisfaction of going, well, there you go. You did the thing. Certainly milestones are along the way, you know, mm. Mm -hmm. performing in a certain venue, performing at the Sydney Opera House was a milestone for us, wow. you know. Wow. Winning a Grammy Award was a milestone. There's, there's these moments of, yeah. of impact that you go, well, that was spectacular. Having someone mention that this song, like God Only Knows, you know, saved their life from depression or suicide. Like these are milestones, but then mm. you just get back to work, you know? Wow. Wow. And, and you just mentioned God Only Knows, which has been such an enormous one for me. Uh, and I played the different versions of it, of course, because now you got Timbaland got a remix of it. And, but the original one still stood for me because it was in the quiet when you just said, God only knows what you're being. And it's your quiet voice in that right. space. It's just you and God at that right. point. That's when right. you, I think that's when you really feel that song. The song's amazing. But that quiet moment when it's just you and God, it blows me away every time. So incredible, incredible work. Who, who is, uh, when it's the two of you songwriting, who does what? Who organically writes what part of the song? One part's melody, one part's vocal or, or lyric, or is it just a combination of the both of you? We probably have dominant leanings. Like Luke probably leans more melody and I lean more lyric as a proclivity, a kind of a rule of thumb. But Derek, it's interesting because it, it, you find yourself in a certain moment, you, you switch roles. It's a bit of a marriage, you know, mm. you, you, you pick up where the other one left off. You, someone's weak in an area, you sort of fill that gap and, and you end up, you end up just sort of, trying to actually avoid getting into too much of the stereotype as a writer, the process and who does what, because as much as I love straight lines and as much as I'm OCD, I found that the moment you start getting into this systematic approach of like, this is how you write the song. Mm -hmm. That's when the inspiration sort of scurries out of the room and, mm -hmm. and you're left with just a system yeah. And uh, so we're we're always trying to evolve or break the break the mold of how we write songs. And you mentioned the system. I mean, you and I have, have experienced Christian music or music in general over the years, and people find quote unquote their formula, and then they stick to that right. formula because it worked that one time. And that just drives right. me bananas because music is supposed to evolve, it's supposed to breathe, it's supposed to move, it's supposed to share, and when it just goes here every time, it, it's just like really is. Is that all we've got now? That's it. You know, I'm sure you feel the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm so excited. And you're a big part of this for us um, because of the wonderful plugins that you, you created. <laughs> I came multimedia, um, bringing it out. Oh, yeah. And, and this. Um, so what we've been able to do is in this new record, I think very actively uh, re-evolve um, or, or reimagine and evolve into sort of a, the new echelon of, of what the band's going to be. I can't tell you exactly what it is yet. We're still discovering it. 
But look, nothing, nothing is static. Sure. This is just a, a, a rule of nature. Like, sure, sure. once something starts becoming static, it gets stagnant and, and, it, and it dies or it, it, it loses any sort of particular beauty that it had. And so there's always this sense of motion and music has to be the same way. I think the moment you start going, well, we need to write a song like that one that we wrote, mm -hmm. then I think you, you've sort of maybe done your dash. Sure. Because sure. it's all about what is that next statement what is that next sound what is that next moment you want to have the 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 anchor of you know uh, something that delineates you for sure but a lot of times that just that's just you it's your voice it's your perspective sure. it's the choices you make in the process um so sure, i i sure. think it's just crucial to evolve in mm -hmm. in, in songwriting well, being labeled as a Christian artist, or do you ever feel pressure to just write Christian music, or do you write what your journey's about? Do you write your story in the songs and let it take its course, like Burn the Ships? I, I have, um, I can't speak on behalf of everyone in the sort of religious arts, but I have never felt the um, pressure. I should say I very rarely felt the pressure to um, write a sort of Jesus song or, or whatnot. You know, I've, I've always felt from the beginning this real sense of grace in the process of like, man, write, write the songs you will write, be it about your wife or about loss or life, mm -hmm. or God, or love or anywhere in between. Um, and that's, that's been very freeing. I, I tend to, when someone sort of shoves me into a corner too hard, you know, how it is, it's the whole bear in the corner thing. You, you, you tend to sort of flare up a bit and you want to put the gloves on and fight against it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, maybe we've sort of created a, a, a world in music where we don't have to operate under that guise. And that's mm -hmm. just so liberating. But there's always those moments. I mean, it's like any genre. I love the song, you know, I'm not going to write you a love song. That right. song was about the label coming to her saying, you need to write a love song. So if it's not a God <laughs> song, it's a love song. If it's not a love song, it's a hip hop. Wow. You know, it's like yeah. every genre has these little vices that they get hung up on. Um, and usually the vices are the most beautiful thing about the genre, like God is about the religious arts. But But mm. when it becomes a a um, rule of thumb, mm -hmm. I think you lose, I think even God is like, hey, I, I want to be chosen. I don't want to be, I don't want to be forced into every song. Like choose mm -hmm. to write about me out of the overflow of your, your life or your heart. Don't just shove me into every lyric. I love that. That's a great way of thinking about it. I wish everybody had that frame of mind. We'd probably get much better music from the, from the religious community, but because some people, I feel like they force it. They just force a Jesus song. You got to write this. And it's like, wait a minute. Is that where your spirit is coming from? Is that what you feel like you're supposed to be saying? Um, you know, I think of what you've done with God Only Knows. And you've worked with multiple secular artists over the last few few songs. With, with Timberland, Dolly Parton, who's a legend. Uh, some of those are remixes and pretty, pretty incredible. Did those just happen? Or did, they, did those people seek you out? Or did the label say, hey, we want someone or... We have someone that wants to work with you. Are you interested? How do those things come about? This is a good rule of thumb for artists, actually. It's a great question because 
I think there's always this idea that of like it's just this happy connection and off you go, you know. Um, collaboration takes effort on every level, be it writer collaboration, producer collaboration, or artist collaboration. And most of the time, for me at least, in my experience, the best person to pursue and stay tied to the collaboration is you as the artist. Mm. Um, Dolly Parton was a great example. I called her management, kind of cold called them. <laughs> uh, a couple of them are friends of mine from when we were younger. But I just said, hey, we've got this song. It's already been released, but we, we really feel like it needs a strong female voice. And, and, you know, within 48 hours, she'd come back and she just was like, this was a rare one. Nine out of 10 times yeah. you get told no. But, but she right. came back and she said, you know, I, I love that. I love this song. It's one of the great songs I've heard. And you're sitting there going as an artist and a writer, like your head, it, yeah. you know, your brain falls out of your head. Because yeah. um, this but, is Dolly Parton, one of the greatest songwriters. This is on planet Dolly Parton. Yeah, this is Miss Joe. <laughs> People don't realize how what a great I songwriter she is. You. Yeah, she's, no. she's a great songwriter, bro. <laughs> People don't get great it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it'd be just one way. Yeah, and, and another one that was marvelous was... Um, was last year, right before the pandemic hit. Uh, we were at the Grammy Awards, actually, which was a very polarizing day because it was the day that Kobe had passed, you know, in the helicopter mm -hmm. accident, amongst others, just a few miles from where we were staying. The Grammys were at the the um, uh, the Staples Center, kind of the house that Kobe built, as they call it. Mm -hmm. And we won two awards that night. And, and so it was this real polarized day of, like, You've got you you're celebrating this with your label family and your your booking agent, your family and so on, your friends, and then you're just this great loss. Um, but I remember um, Kirk Franklin was in the gospel category, and so our categories were sort of sandwiched in between each other, and um, we got to see one another as he walked off stage, and we've kept in loose contact until that point, and that he sort of came out, we greeted each other and congratulated each other, and he's like, "Hey, put me on the collab list," and we were like. Well, okay. So literally four days later, we were actually going on a cruise, which doesn't that sound funny, you know, <laughs> uh, at this point. We're going on a cruise. Um, the band was a music cruise. And, and I called Kirk and I, I sent him a song called Together. And I said, hey, would you sing on this? And he said, not only will I sing on it, but I'll, put, I'll bring my choir, my band, I'll write what? a whole section to it. <laughs> and, then, and then the pandemic hit. And we thought, oh, no, you know, <sighs> it's wow. over. Um, Mariah and I developed close friendship with Tori Kelly and, and her husband, Andre. And, and, and so in the middle of quarantine, we sent her a video message on, on an iPhone and just said, hey, we've got yeah. this song. Mariah, my wife, had done the scratch vocal, which is a marvelous voice. And we sent it to Tori. And two days later, she'd sent back the vocal. No um, and, and so there was just these, there are these, as hard as it is, when the collaboration things works, be it in writing, again, producers or artists, there's these magical moments that you hang on to, like Dolly, like Kirk, like Tori, that you go, this is just, this is just amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. Well, I am, I am running out of your time. So I am going to, to close off with the last final question. I said, I do appreciate you taking a few minutes just to, to be a part of people that are look, out there looking to see what can we do to chase our impossible. Um, you guys have done amazing work. You've started off together in a musical family. You're on your own now, branched out. For those people that are probably going, how do I even begin to create a process mm. to become making music? How do I start that? 
And what's the one piece of advice you'd leave them to say, hey, you can do it, you can do it? Great question. If I may, I'll tweak it a little bit. Go for it. Um, sometimes the question is not how do you start? The question is, where do you stop? Mm. Because I think a lot of people stop too soon. Um, and I'm basing this off my story. I started pursuing music when I was 16 on my own. I started working with Luke when I was 21. We signed a record deal when we were, I was 26. We released our first album when I was 28. Hmm. That's 12 years, wow. Derek. And that's 12 years of focus. Like that's not, that's not, I'm, you know, I didn't have kids. I wasn't married most of that time. I, I was in my parents' basement driving a 1988 Oldsmobile. Like, you know, the boats, the ones that just sort of <laughs> yes. float on the road. Yeah. And, and, um, and I spent 12 years and there were so many points along the way that I wanted to stop. And where I started was nothing like what it ended up being. You know, it was sort of a boy band. Luke wasn't involved. It was a whole other thing. And so, again, I think the the thing I would say is when and where do you stop? Because, Because if you believe under God that you were designed to do this thing, if most every success story are the people that just determined that this is what they were designed to do and they never stopped so i suppose my simple advice would be if you have people around you that have said this is a great gifting of yours and have solidified that if you feel it in your spirit and you have for a long time Mm. if you've been recognized in some way by your your peers that this is a gift you have then actually don't stop Stay aware, you know, evolve, like we said, mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. where I started and where I am now are two starkly different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so evolve and don't get sort of hung up on an idea, but stay in it, man. Mm. Stay in it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Well, you have been amazing, and I know that you're a super busy guy, and you've got doggy duty today. So we've got to let you get back to your baby girl. What's her name back there? Merryweather. I have Mary doggy Weather. duty. Doggy <laughs> duty. I am um, I am stage dad 101 today, so it's on. I am <laughs> sending all kind of love to Merryweather and to you and your family, and we will definitely get together again. If you need anything else from IK, you know you always ask us. We are here for you. We appreciate your ministry. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk soon, guys. Thank you, Derek. Bless you, man. Take care, my friend. You've been awesome. Thank you, buddy. And for all of you out there, we hope you enjoyed this quick interview with Joel Smallbone from, of course, for King and Country. He's an amazing individual with an amazing family, and we hope that the story gave you something to chew on, something to inspire you. As always, look forward to seeing you again next time at Chasing the Impossible. Have a great one, guys. Take care.